Please listen carefully. Welcome to Unofficial Woho Radio, a podcast by women's hockey fans for women's hockey fans. I'm Alice, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tay. Hi. We are sadly recording without Lauren, because it turns out that when one of you has a job that starts at 3 a.m., and one of you is on the West Coast, and the other one is Central Time, uh, scheduling things is kind of hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a little, it's a little difficult to do that. Yeah, because, I mean, I live in Ontario. And that's three hours ahead of Vancouver. And I go to bed at like five now. So sadly, we are without Lauren. I think this is our first episode with just me and you, Tay, right? I think so. Yeah, because you did one with Lauren and then I did one with Lauren. Ooh, sir. First time doing a podcast with just us. Ooh, I wonder what's going to happen. Me too. <laughs> uh, well, to start off, we would like to thank our lovely, lovely patrons, Abby, Alan, Shane. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Uh, you are helping us continue to make it. If you want to join them and our other patrons, you can do that over at uh, patreon.com slash unofficialwohoradio. Uh, so a lot of stuff has happened in the women's hockey world. And what we've decided to do for this episode, be mostly... Because it's a lot of little things and things are changing very quickly. So, yeah, we're just going to talk about some specific things like the PWHPA uh, Toronto Showcase, you know, the new NWHL jerseys, the rosters, the Twitch announcement, and then uh, move on to sort of more overarching stuff because we're not really going to stick with the little miscellaneous things because we'll get like very deep in the weeds very quickly, I think. (laughs) so the pwhpa had their first uh showcase in toronto this one was sponsored by budweiser i want to say it's kind of embarrassing that i don't know what it's called because they (laughs) their branding has clearly failed because i don't remember it at all i know the other one's duncan but the only reason i know it's duncan donuts is because they're also sponsoring the nwhl and then people are freaking out about that, which I find very funny. I think it was Unifor. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Budweiser was a sponsor, but it was the Unifor showcase. Wow. That's even more embarrassing because that's a union. I should know this. <laughs> it's a Canadian union. Uh, for those who don't know, it's, uh, Unifor is the largest private sector union in Canada and the third largest in general, but the other two are both, uh, like government unions and the second biggest one is technically part of the biggest one so it's like it's a big it's a very very big union in canada and they've been putting a lot of support behind the pwhpa they've been paying for all their ice times in canada they like you know sponsor this event they've been doing a lot of stuff budweiser sponsored the stream they sponsored the streaming of it that's why i remembered their name um it got streamed through uh cbc gem their uh, cbc streaming app and on YouTube as well, so people could watch it if they weren't in uh, Canada. And I think it was a big success. Yeah, well, I think the Budweiser branding clearly worked, because that's the name we remembered. <laughs> yeah, I remember it because of the whole, uh, there was a beer lounge. They sponsored a beer lounge, which I thought was very funny as well. But uh I thought it was a success. They put out a press release detailing like attendance and basically it was sold out. So for the arena, it was 
each game had anywhere between 811,000, not 11,000, 1,100 people. <laughs> so like, you know, oh God, I wish it was 11,000. Can you imagine? That's uh, a big number gap. <laughs> oh, it's so, so big. I'm sorry. I've been awake since 2 a.m. recording at 3 p.m. So yeah, so it was all sold out. Like, you know, they had, I thought the stream was great. It really sucked that Don Cherry was there, but I tried to forget that he was. Uh, the commentators were uh, one former CWHL uh, commentator and a former player. So it was actually good if I could listen, unlike usual women's hockey that gets televised. And uh, overall, I thought it was great. But- yeah, I mean, this happened on a weekend that I had to work, so I wasn't able to watch it. But the few moments I was able to like pop in on like Twitter and see what was going on, uh, people were talking about it and were really into it. Which is really great. Yeah, I didn't get to see the Sunday games. Well, I saw the first Sunday game, like a bit of it. But that uh, Saturday night, I got a call from my manager asking me to do a midnight shift on Monday. So uh, that kind of meant going to bed at like 2 p.m. on Sunday. Uh, so I needed to do all of my things in the morning before mm-hmm. I went to bed to get up at 11 p.m. to work until 6 a.m. Monday. Mm-hmm. So I didn't get to watch those games, but like overall, it felt, you know, like a relief. I think the um, PWHPA also felt that they were clearly like the players. If you watch like, you know, their interviews, the I've seen a lot of excitement from like genuine excitement, not just like the standard. Oh, we're playing hockey and we like playing hockey. But like, wow, this worked or like, you know, wow, we're actually, you know, people are seeing our message and understanding it. Like all those little kids holding those signs. And it felt more real to me in a way than the CWHL events did because they were like those, the sound bites from those, from the players in the, in that league felt kind of like, you know, we're playing, you know, so little, like little, little girls can dream of playing in a hockey league. Meanwhile, now like there's the, a little girl who was holding a sign last year that said, I'm going to be, I'm going to play in the CWHL when I grow up or something like that, like her CWHL draft pick. And now mm-hmm. she's holding a sign saying, when can I dream of being paid a living wage for playing hockey, you know? So, like, yeah. uh, there was a Victory Press article that um, Kirsten Whalen wrote that was mentioned like this and like some other little girls holding signs. And she was pointing out that, like, those changes and like the way they've been sort of talking about it, those little girls were inadvertently holding themselves back by saying, like, oh, I'm going to play in this professional league, regardless of, like, what the quality of that, like, league's benefits were, you know? Instead of, oh, I'm going to be um, paid a living wage or more to play professional hockey. Which I think ties in nicely with the theme of it, which is, it's called the Dream Gap Tour, right? And, like, the whole concept is that little boys and girls, and theoretically we should get rid of the gender binary, but hey, uh, they'll get there. Uh, should be able, like, you know, all the kids should be able to dream of the same thing, even if, like, not all of them go on to do that. Like, obviously, all those little girls saying, I'm going to be, like, I'm going to go to play professional hockey, a lot of them aren't. Like, a lot, and a lot of those boys aren't, but they should have, like, the same options to, like, try. So. Right. Like, a little boy looking up to someone who plays in the NHL is completely different from the professional options for little girls to look up to. So that, that there is the gap that they're trying to close. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The original phrase comes from, I think it was like a Barbie campaign by Mattel, which like again is like a similar concept. So I'm not sure if they were directly inspired by that. I have to guess that they kind of were because that's where the phrase was kind of first popularized. 
I don't know. I was just very excited. Also, the games were really good. It was just very good hockey. It seemed to go off without a hitch and just like went really smoothly. So it's clear that there's a lot of work going on behind the scenes to make all this happen, especially with like getting all these sponsors and everything. There's like a lot of hard work and dedication that goes into these stops. I'm really impressed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like they got Budweiser is like, that's not small. They got Budweiser, Unifor, uh, NHL team. I'm pretty sure it was like the Maple Leafs or something also sponsored. I feel like who knows what they did. Um, <laughs> No offense, but, like, we know what Budweiser did. We know what Unifor did. What did they do? We don't know. Like, you know, um, yeah. they got, like, some other sponsors as well. Uh, and then, like, you're from, like, Adidas, I want to say. Bauer. Oh, no, Adidas had the jerseys. Adidas had the jerseys. Bauer had gloves, helmets, which yes. it's not all their gear, but, like, if they're playing, like, a lot of these people are playing professional anyway, so they already have the gear. And gloves do wear out pretty fast. Pants are expensive and helmets are, you know. So could be better, but like out of all the things you could have picked, those are pretty decent. So they're moving fast because like this wasn't announced very like long ago. I think it, I cannot remember the actual date, but it was like less than I'd say two months. Like I would I would say with confidence, less than two months from the actual event where concrete details provided about it. Yeah. And yeah. And then there's going to be two others, Chicago and New Hampshire, right? Yeah. So the New Hampshire one's coming up this weekend. It's October 5th and 6th. And it looks like over the weekend, there's going to be four different games played. I'm not sure about details on the Chicago one. Let's see. I think that's also four games and it's also like a weekend. It is. It's the 18th and 20th, according to the website. And yeah. That's oh, yeah. I like that format though. That's pretty yeah. good because you can just pick a you can pick a day. You can go see at least two games. Heck, you could just spend your weekend doing that, right? And the tickets for the overall package. I like how they're making that really cheap because mm-hmm. you know it's not for a lot of people. It wouldn't be that appealing to spend a full two days at hockey rink, right? Especially like a community hockey rink. Like they aren't going for big venues here, which I think is a smart idea because. Mm-hmm. I was mentioning this, I think, in, I want to say our Discord server, but I am in three different women's hockey servers, which I'll <laughs> end up linking to on some of our social media because they're all pretty good in different ways. But for our podcast, we have one, and there's also, like, a general fan one run by um, a friend of ours. And then there's the Victory Press. Um, the Victory Press has one as well, which I also help run, but it's, like, separate from the podcast. But in one of them, I was pointing out because I've noticed this with C2HL events, whenever they hold them in the NHL arenas, it always looks like there's basically no one there just mm-hmm. because like, even if you have like 6,000 people there, which happened at one that um, one Clarkson cup that I went to in Ottawa, one of them, like even when you have like thousands of people there, it still looks like only a few hundred just because the, the arena is so big and there's so many seats. So when I was in a game, when I went to a game in, this was in Toronto, Toronto or Brampton. This was still when Markham was with, was in Brampton before they moved. And, uh, when I went to go see them with my aunt and my family, that was a televised game. So they made us all sit on one side to make it look more full before, like they oh. filled up one entire side before letting them go to the other side. Cause even if like, you know, Two thirds of the stadium were like, uh, not the stadium, the arena were full, which was like, you know, several hundred people for sitting like for the amount of like space there was and like the time of the game that was like pretty decent, I think, for what they were doing at the time. Um, they wanted to make it look like there were more people there, so they put us opposite of the cameras, and that yeah. was what happened. So if you put it in a big NHL stadium, yeah, you get like more people showing up, like you you wouldn't sell out 
you would have like infinite amount of tickets essentially because you would never sell out that arena for four games in a weekend. But it would like, so you'd have more people to sell tickets to, but it would also be like a much larger venue to organize and to get. And no matter what, it would look like there were fewer people there. Yeah. Like at the um, NWHL all-star game in Nashville, it, the actual game took place in Bridgestone arena and they announced before the game started that we set like an attendance record for women's hockey events. But since it was in Bridgestone Arena, to anyone who just isn't used to the like standard or like the kind of crowds that'll show up to women's hockey events, it would look like a mostly empty arena, even though we set an attendance record. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's also like, you know, there are NHL games, like, like you know, preseason games and stuff where you show up and everyone's scattered. But like everyone's scattered because everyone bought specific tickets because that's like how NHL games work versus in this case, like everyone gets like a very nice seat. Because you're always like, no matter where you get, like, you're always like sort of close to the game if you get like a women's, like a women's hockey ticket, just because, you know, so even if like everyone's like, you can look at like Sens games, like Senators games, and there will be like patches where there's no one in the stands. But because there are like enough people spread out and enough people close around the ice, it looks like there's a lot of people there, even if there is only like, you know under 10,000. I don't know the attendance numbers, but like, even if there's a (laughs) low amount of people for an NHL game, it will still look full just because of the way that people attend NHL games are different than the way people attend women's hockey games held in NHL arenas. Yeah, like there are no nosebleed seats for women's hockey games. You are guaranteed a good seat. It will just look very empty. (laughs) But yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for them. I think that they are happy with what they're doing. You know, mm-hmm. like the players. And I think they are like, I don't know. It just feels like they're more genuine because like I was saying, like they're being allowed to say what they want to say. You know, they don't have to speak about some, you know, nebulous idea or like they don't have to like speak about like that idea of, oh, yeah, we're inspiring young girls and we're a professional like league. Meanwhile, they have to go fill up their own water bottle, sharpen their own skates and, you know, drive an hour to practice and back. And meanwhile, they have like a job in the morning, you know, mm-hmm. and they're getting paid like, you know, what, $2,000 or something, like that. you know, like, like they can say, hey, you know, that was like, I like Hillary Knight was saying in like this in um, an interview, I think I'm not sure where she said it because it's been repeated a few times. It's like, well, this one of those like sound bites that get cycled through articles. And um, she was saying that she didn't think the CWHO was professional, not because the volunteers and the people working in it like weren't treating it professionally, but just because the resources were not there to make it truly professional. Mm -hmm. So for as good as it was that, you know, some that announcers could stream their games on Periscope, it's not the same as having like, you know, several camera angles and nice graphics, which is hard to do. We were talking about this last year. I think like it's hard to do. And all the dedicated volunteers in the world won't solve what those like the resources that we're missing. So, yeah, I hope the next ones will also be very good. I suspect they will be because I think at least one of them was sold out and I'm confident the other one has sold out by this point as well. Um, <laughs> I just if only just because like what standing room is like standing room max, you'd get like slightly over a thousand people in those arenas. Also, if you're having four games, it's probably easier to have two different sheets of ice because then you can just switch back and forth instead of having to clear one out all the time. Right. Um, so another like another reason. And I think 
on that note, if you haven't, do you have anything else to say? Actually, I've been talking a lot. <laughs> no, no, I think we're good. Right. We're going to, I think, move on to talking about some NWHL developments. And I think the ones that we want to talk about most are those new jerseys. The whale jerseys look so nice. I really like them. I think it's a little, little too much green. Like if they had added like slightly more blue and like a little bit more white, like the, uh, I really liked the white jerseys from, I think it was, I want to say year two, but they had these like nice white jerseys. I really liked the white ones. So I think they look really nice. I'm glad they don't look bad. Um, <laughs> But yeah. I think they, they could be a little better, but they're good. I am I am happy with them. Also, when you have that adorable smiling whale, it's hard to go wrong. Right. Not to mention, like, the waves on the pants are just so nice on the sides. Yeah. Like, they they break up the silhouette just enough, and it's just, it stands out. Like, it, it really makes it pop. If they didn't have that, then I think it wouldn't look as good. But, like, it's such a nice little touch. It is. I love the whale. Even when they break <laughs> my heart. Oh, let's see. I think, oh, yeah, the Riveters got yeah, New Jersey too. Speaking of breaking our hearts, uh, what do you think of these New Jerseys? They're not my favorite. Like, I don't, I, I don't think they're bad. First okay. of all, I'm not impressed by them as much. I, I'm interested in the use of white. It, it's a nice callback to season one. I don't know. And then the like. Extra heavy, like, military flavor on all of the detailing. It's just, the it's more I think lot. about it, the more the more annoyed I get about that. <laughs> I mean, there's something to be said for, like, the way that all professional sports in the U.S. more, I would say, but in Canada as well, just because, like, America is overall bad. But, uh, like, the way that organized, like, professional sports lean into, like, nationalism and, like, military glorification is just mm -hmm. extremely uncomfortable. The way, like, the more you learn about it, the more uncomfortable and, like, kind of frustrating it is because, like, they don't need to do that at all. They're, like, choosing to do that. Like, leaning into, like, the patriotism and stuff, which is just unfortunate because, like, you don't need to do that. Like, both, like, to market and, like... You know, on a moral level, you don't. You shouldn't. And then, like, on a marketing standpoint, you don't need to. Right. Like, people will just support a team because they have a cute jersey. I know because I support the whale. I've never been to Connecticut. Well, that's, like, that was my draw into the Riveters is that I saw um, a feature article about Amanda Castle wearing the, the season two jersey, and I wanted to find out more about the team. But I don't know. Because, like, I don't have a problem with them being named after the Riveters, even though that is, like, a military-adjacent thing. Because it, yeah, it was it was a very specific time, I think. Specifically in, like, women's history. Like, I, I see why that is relevant. But just throwing on, like, all these different military, like, fonts for the numbers and the nameplates. And the stripes. And then, I like the stripes better now that I've seen them with the pants, because the pants also have stripes. Mm-hmm. But the reason they or the reasoning they made up, I don't know, like for all we know, they could have added stripes and then been like, ooh, planes. Because if you read the press release, <laughs> when you read the press yeah. release, they mentioned that the reason they have the stripes is a callback to after D-Day, the allied, allied planes would have specific stripes to separate them from enemy planes. Mm -hmm. um, but like you don't need to mention. Why decide to mention, like, the military even more, especially, like, when you already have, like, you don't need that. Because, like, 
Rose of the Riveter like is steeped in like, you know, American military history and, you know, specifically that, that's anti-Nazi history. Yeah, important but important note. But like it's a it's a different it's a different thing, right? Like it's a different thing than ooh military good, right? Like it's and it's more specific to that area, that very very specific period of history, what was happening there. It's not the same as like oh this is modeled after military planes. And then like you don't have to widen that scope. Could have just kept it like that. <laughs> it's such an iconic image. You don't need to move away and expand on it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so like we don't need to go into it. I'm sure that other people will write about it. Um, well, I hope other people will. But mm-hmm. my problem with it, the more I look at it, it's kind of like the opposite of how I felt about the Team Canada jerseys and like the U.S. jerseys, you know, the Olympic ones, because yeah. they looked better when someone was wearing them. And I was still annoyed that they decided to simplify the maple leaf because like that has a very specific meaning like each of the points represents a province or a territory like it's not it's like getting rid of the stars on the flag on the u.s flag because you want it to look better you can't they represent something right um regardless of whether or not you believe in that something or you think that something is good like if the point is that it symbolizes something if you take the symbol out of it like it's just it's just a shape now right um if that makes sense. And so it looked better on someone and it also looked better because I liked the sleeves looked better on people they looked weird, you know, just as the graphic. Mm-hmm. And I kind of grew to not, I grew neutral on them, right? And so it's kind of the reverse is what's happening here is I'm looking at them on people. And I'm just thinking you really need that border around Rosie. Yeah. yeah like the one on a, you know, like the original one, they had like the dark blue and red, like frame essentially kind of in the background. Because otherwise, it just feels so much like a tiny blob of color on a white background. You know, it just it feels like they need more action happening in that section without it being too much. Yeah, I can see that. Just I don't know. I just really liked the outline. And I think it's just the logo just doesn't pop a lot without that because it's just not symmetrically shaped, which is like fine, obviously. But I think you need something to offset all of the space in the front of the jersey without just making the logo bigger, like a bar or something, you know, like the Bruins jerseys have, or maybe it was the Winter Classic. Oh, the Canadians, the Habs have like that bar. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was the CWHL team. There was when they have like a stripe across the center of the of the chest, like in the background of the logo incorporated into it. I like that because it breaks it up kind of like how the sleeves you have like alternating colors on the sleeves i don't know yeah it's like it's fine like i don't hate it i thought the red ones were worse just because the colors looked weird but i sound really negative about it. it's like i like the whales jersey like i ha- i'm literally looking at the whale jersey that i have in my closet that i got i think the first year or the second year of the league my parents got it for me as a gift it's very good like i like their jerseys i think they're good i know some people have mixed feelings about the pride's new logo but i think it's fine because the old logo wasn't unique enough i think the toronto raptors literally have like three slashes is like part of their thing. You know, I get why they need to mix it up, but I just think that if they want to sort of cement their brand, that they should do sort of fewer changes in that way. If they mm-hmm. find something that people really, really like, I think they should stick with it at least for a little bit, like at least, you know, like three years, I'd say, and then switch it up. Like, you know, you want to cement an idea of what a team is. And if you keep switching up the jerseys then people are just going to be confused. Yeah. I could see that. I mean, if you do major changes to Jersey, like obviously like little differences are fine. But if you keep like changing the major color scheme, like changing it from like blue to green back to blue to green, like for the whale as an example, like people are going to be confused. Is like an away jersey? Is it a home jersey? Oh, it's like a completely different jersey. But it's not like the third jersey that some teams have. No, this is like 
they just switched it up one year and the people just get confused. Maybe I'm underestimating the intelligence of sports fans. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just very stupid. So I just project that onto everyone else. So, yeah, that's what I think. Do you have any other thoughts? On the jerseys? No, I think I got them all out. Okay, that's good. I did too. I feel a lot better. <laughs> uh, I think we should briefly touch on the rosters. I say briefly because for all that I really, really love women's hockey and have been following everything that's been going on with it in North America obsessively, I don't know anything about the rosters or the players. So, you know, I can tell you just a few things, and that is Sam Walther. I think is how you say her last name, is going to be our goalie for the Ribs. And that Madison Packer is the captain this year. Congrats, Pack. Um, other than that, I'm not sure who these people are. Yeah, I don't think I've looked at the Wales roster, which is mostly due to my ongoing conflicted feelings about the NWHL, and also partly due to the fact that I'm not one of those fans who, like, follows the rosters and knows a lot about, like, you know, the stats and the... Like, yeah. You know, little things like that. Like I'll follow like a few athletes that I, you know, a few players that I I like and that I enjoy, you know, either watching them on the ice or like as a personality and then like the team overall, Mm -hmm. you know, so I don't really pay attention to the specifics also because I find it really hard because I'm really, really bad with names. So. Oh, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Like I forget people's names all the time. And it's just like, I don't know if it's like a short term memory thing, because I do have a problem with that. Or if it's just like, they don't stick in my head unless I hear them enough. So it just makes it hard. So I just don't bother because, you know, that's, you don't need to know the names of every single person on a team to be a fan. So uh, all I know is that much like in all the other years before, sadly, except for that one beautiful triumphant first year, uh, we're not doing so hot. The whale. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're we're kind of kind of struggling a bit, and um, I'm very sorry. Um, according to though, uh, Lauren could not record with us. They are here in uh, spirit because they left us some notes, which I'm going to refer to because I have not checked the updated rosters if they have updated. But according to this, the whale have 16 players, and so yeah, people just don't want to sign with them, which I can't blame them because it is Connecticut. I'm nothing against Connecticut, but like there's no pro team there and there hasn't been in a while. And I'm not saying that like a team without an NHL team in the city can't like succeed. That's like silly, but it's not in as a desirable a place as like, you know, Buffalo or Boston or like convenient for, although like, for example, New York has like really high cost of living. So, well, they're in New Jersey now. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, that area in general still has like cost of living. You know what Connecticut has going for it? What Megan Duggan have? and her wife just moved there. Oh my God. Oh my God. That's amazing. And they are expecting a child. So there will be <laughs> the new a, Connecticut mascot, a baby, not of the team of the state, around. of the state, <laughs> the whole state. Yes. Oh, that's such good news. I love that. <laughs> I love, thank you for telling me this. I've missed so much. Yeah, but, um, yeah, so all, all except the white caps have under 20 players, which, unless the Rivs signed someone extra, they might have, um, cause they were at 19 as of the 27th, September. You but know, the white caps, you know, their, their, their coach is really trying to get, um, Ashley Johnson to come out of retirement. He's pushing <laughs> really hard for Stretch to come back. <laughs> I mean, say what you want about him. And like, I got to say, I'm not his uh, resume is not as um, robust as I would have hoped for a professional coach. But he is enthusiastic and he seems to genuinely love the game, which is 
miles and miles above Randy. So, <laughs> yeah, he owns a vegan salad bar in somewhere in Europe, apparently a salad bar chain. Uh, he coached at a community center whose name I've forgotten. And he really, really seems to know a lot about women's hockey. So, you know what? I'm going to say it better than Randy. Absolutely. I mean, we don't know what his like coaching a team skills will be. Cause like, as far as I know, he has only coached either boys, competitive bantam or something like teenage boys and like individual one-on-one sessions or like group sessions at uh, a community center. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. whether or not that translates to like a team of like, you know, elite athletes remains to be seen. But I mean, I mean at least, he ca- at least he cares is like my thing. And I think that is important. So. That's true. I mean, the Riveters had that preseason game against that college team and they won 10 to 3. So, oh, good sign for the ribs, but like, whoa, right? I did not even realize the game had happened. I didn't know it was happening until I saw people live tweeting it and I was like, where is this? What? <laughs> it's like those preseason games that no one knows happens. Oh, well. But yeah, so the White Caps have 23 people, but like, that's not really a surprise because the Whitecaps were a great team last year for all their uh, off ice issues. And um, they also had like a lot of players on the original team before they joined the NWHL. So like there was already a really large pool to pick from mm-hmm. um, of players to sign, even if, you know, some of those players left for the PWHPA. Yeah, I would say um, it's lower than last year. I checked a while ago and like when I checked like 50 percent of the new of the signings were rookies. And I mean, rookies as in new to the league, not necessarily straight out of college, but a lot of them were either like straight out of college or very, very young. Not to say that they're that means they're bad, but it's definitely like a lot of them are of a lower like talent level than previously seen in the NWHL. And I think that's like not an insult to them. Like as people, it's just like a comment on like, you know, literally their playing ability. If you're not as good, you're not as good. I don't think that's like an insult to say. It's just like a statement of fact, which is not to say that all of them aren't as good. It's just overall, you've seen, I've definitely seen an increase in new young college level, like college playing student, like players who, when previously there was like a different sort of combination of the pool, if that makes sense. Sense. Cause a lot of the like top tier players left you know like a lot of the olympians a lot of the national players a lot of those ones left and they're like not to say that again like there aren't high quality players but it's not it's i don't think it's fair to say that it's the same as last year because it doesn't look like it is at all but i guess we'll have to see i mean they demolished that college team so (laughs) well i I really kind of gotta see what happens later on yeah i mean playing a college team is not the same as playing absolutely not but Speaking of seeing, oh, excellent segue. I'm proud of that one. (laughs) The NWHL has um, announced a partnership with Twitch, the uh, gaming, uh, the gaming streaming platform, game stream, video game streaming platform. That's it. Uh, They previously streamed their games on uh, YouTube and then they had a thing with Twitter where they streamed some of the games. They had a Twitter game of the week and now they have signed a multi-year i think it's two might be three it's more than one. <laughs> <laughs> oh 
my God. It's been a day, guys. It's been a day. Okay. More than a year. Streaming deal, which means they're going to stream all their games through Twitch. I can't remember if Twitch is footing the cost or not, but I don't think they are. I know they're paying streaming rights, which is important because that was not a thing that was happening previously, which means like they're paying to be allowed to stream the games as opposed to like, you know, the NHL having to pay them to air the games. That's a development. I'd say it's pretty big. I'd say it's reasonably significant um when it comes to viewership. There was a really good article in Oh, I forget what website it was. I think it was by Courtney Ooh, I've forgotten the name. I will link the article, but it's a very good article. You know, Twitch's historical and the gaming community's like historical issues with women and, you know, misogyny and all that. And how, you know, effective marketing a women's, you know, sport, not a video game, like a sport on a like, you know, video game streaming platform would be and like what the response from its uh its users would be. I would just suggest reading that because I think kind of clear that uh video game the video game industry has some issues and twitch is very much like a video game website right so mm-hmm. i just think it it's it's an interesting partnership i didn't see it coming i can say that for sure and i am interested to see like what happened like how many people are actually going to watch how many new people will actually watch kind of thing you know yeah that will be interesting to see and i want to know what their game presentation is going to look like yeah, they announced all their uh, commentary teams, I guess you could refer to them as. Uh, I think that covers our main discussion, so we can move on to uh, questions, I think, if that's cool with you. Yeah. So we put out a call for questions on our Discord. Well, Lauren did. Again, not with us physically, but always in our hearts. Uh, <laughs> not dead, just currently not here. Um <laughs> Anyway, so I think we answered Mickey's question, which was, what do you think about the Twitch thing with the NWHL? And my last little thing that I have to say about that is I think the phrase NWHL influencers is cursed, and I hope they stop using that. (laughs) But yeah, I think we talked about that. And then so Abby asked a question, which um, was about the PWHPA, which we did cover a little bit. I think we should answer it like more specifically. So Abby uh, one of our patrons, Abby, thank you so much for this question. How do you all feel about the Dream Gap Tour and the success the PWHPA has had so far? Do you think they'll be able to keep up the momentum? The momentum, And if so, what might be the next thing that could continue the momentum they've already built up? I think we kind of semi-answered that, but like to be more specific about the momentum part, like I think the Dream, well, you know, just overall, I think we both agree and we both talked about how we think the Dream Gap Tour is going pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, they're doing pretty good. And we like, we feel good about the success that they've had. And, um, at least so far, it looks like they have been able to keep up the momentum. I think like there's probably going to be a good showing. Chicago for sure is definitely, I think, going to do well, if only just because there's never been a decent size, like, you know, pro women's or like high level women's like hockey event there. So, which is wild because Chicago's a big city and a big hockey city. Mm-hmm. Um, if only there was a team there, you know, like, you know, a hockey team <laughs> in that city, you know, that'd be really good. I don't know why, you know, it's just such a big market, but there's just <laughs> an empty gaping void. Strange. There's just no team there. With with what is that? A burning dumpster in the middle? That's strange. <laughs> Dylan Strom, is that you? Inside, you can see there's a little paper that just says racism and misogyny. That's odd. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, 
So, yeah, just shame about that. But, you know, hockey in Chicago, women's hockey in Chicago, it's going to do well. I think I'm pretty confident about that. I can't see if they'd have to, like, mess up pretty badly for it to not work. And for keeping up the momentum, I think they're doing, like, just keep doing what they're doing. But if we wanted to sort of look further than this year, either, like, into the spring and the summer or entirely to next, like, next um, season, what do you think? I'll let you go first since I've been doing a lot of talking. What should, uh, what do you think they should do or, like, what do you think they will do to keep that momentum and like their next steps um honestly i'm not sure because to me it kind of seems like the next logical step would be maybe making a league but i don't know if they want to do that so quickly if that makes sense like i think they're trying to nail down like sponsors and really get like public interest going but yeah. i mean it, it, it's yeah. that they do have a lot of a lot of hard work going on behind the scenes so i get the feeling they kind of already have a plan i don't really know if i want to guess that much at at what I think they should do they kind of they already know what they should do and what they want to do so I'm just I'm more than happy to sit back and just watch them succeed at everything (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean I I've you know accepted a lot of the you know sit and wait philosophy just because like as fun as speculation is I don't think it's particularly useful like it's really Mm -hmm. fun to talk about like you know in like you know, with your friends on social media or like in Discord and like, you know, talk about, ooh, like what I think they they should do, what like I think they're going to do, like all that, you know, what I think is happening. Like that's It's really fun. But I think having like, you know, a bunch of open speculation or like articles written about it and things like that is not really useful. And to a certain extent, like, you know, we do have to sit back and see what what's going to happen. But I think you're right because the past two iterations. So there was the original NWHL, National I think it was National Women's Hockey League, which was like kind of mostly like Ontario based. It was um, in Canada and it collapsed in, I think it was 2004 or 2005, like around that time. And out of that, the CWHL rose, the CWHL rose out of that as a player initiative to keep playing. Like they wanted to have something going on because the people who were running the NWHL at the time said they were taking sort of a hiatus of sorts. Um, we actually did an episode. You can go back and listen to our uh, uh, interview with Kirsten Whalen because um, she knows a lot more about this than I do and that we do, I guess. And um, so they went and immediately the next year they had a league. Right. And mm-hmm. so and then like I think they are like like you said, they don't want to rush right into that. And if they did have a league, if they have a league just for the sake of having one, then they're just repeating the problem of the NWHL, which is like having a league to have a league. But like the pay isn't there and the like, you know quality of benefits and care that the players should get as professional players like just wouldn't be there they would just be doing what they're doing right now but doing it in a league and like the whole point of their initiative is that they want those resources before they do anything right they don't want to have to wait and wait and wait for like the promise of those things which is like a big part of their disagreement with like sort of the philosophy and idea of the NWHL, which is slow, slow baby steps while like they they're like, no, we should have this now. Like we we should have this now and we can get this mm-hmm. now. And we're going to go get it. So that's a very long winded way of saying I think that they will wait until they definitely have the resources. And I think that means showing the NHL and that and other like, you know, and sponsors and 
people with money because unfortunately you do need that to like run a pro league. So I think they're going to wait until they have them. And if that means they have to keep doing like cycles of tours, I think that's okay if they plan them well and they change them up and they and they execute it well. I don't know if that's what they will do, but I kind of think that's almost like what they should do because the rivalry series got like a lot of positive response and a lot of attention. So I think it's conceivable they could do like a yearly series of like tours in different different places across like, you know, the U.S. and Canada. That'd be interesting. <laughs> I just I talked for a very long time. Sorry. That's um, okay. It was a good answer. Why, thank you. I like your answer, too. <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like I should say something. I mean, you're right. So I think that does answer the question, though, like, keeping up the momentum, like, just bigger and bigger tours. You could do that, I think. Like, um, the demand is there, and I think what they're doing, and this, again, this is sort of speculation, but also, like, what they're doing and what they've said they've been doing is that they want to show that this is a product that people enjoy and that can be marketable and that deserves resources to make it bigger than it is. Right. So mm-hmm. they've already they've got like, you know, they got Budweiser and Unifor and Dunkin Donuts and CBC. Right. CBC's broadcasting their stuff like they don't have to do that, but they decided to. If they just keep showing that people will show up for this and people will pay for this and that people will show up because their message is they want these players to be paid like because of the message of these players deserve to be paid at a professional level right they are supporting that message by showing up to these events if they show that there is a continued demand i think that people will step in and support that if only just because it makes sense for profit or it's a good pr move like however you look at it i am hopeful which i think i'm if only just because the alternative is too sad No, I mean, it's definitely going somewhere. They're putting in a lot of hard work and getting a lot of attention for this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm so happy at all the press they've been getting. Like, like I'm not saying the PWHPA is like flawless or perfect or is 100% going to succeed, but it's like 100% a player initiative and they're doing what they want. And so like, I just support that. And I think that it shows that when given the resources like these players, they know what they want and they can get it and they can make it happen. Mm-hmm. So it's just really nice to see that. For some reason, I thought of the words physically manifest, which is, <laughs> <laughs> which reminds me of that snakes physically manifesting in my home meme with that guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know. And I was just like, well, become reality. There you go. That's better. Physically best (laughs) long long day but yeah so i am looking you know onward and upwards i am hopeful do you have anything else to say no i i I think we covered everything well uh i think that's it for today folks thank you so much for listening and we hope that you liked it if you liked it please go and give us a rating and review. I know everyone says that, but people are more likely to listen to something that has like good reviews and uh, at least a certain, like a good star rating, you know, and it helps us get higher up in the charts. And that's how people see us because we don't advertise because we have no money to do that. We have it through word of mouth. So you can also tell someone about us. That would also be really helpful. We would really, really love that. You could follow us on social media. At, we're on Twitter at Woho Radio. We're on Tumblr at Unofficial Woho Radio. I am on Twitter at Yolo Woho because I made my bed and I have to lie in it. And um, <laughs> if you want to follow me for like audio drama and like personal, more like 
personal stuff. I'm at Alice V. Bell. And Tay, where can people find you? You can find me on Tumblr at Unofficial Riveters. You can find me on Twitter at Rivs underscore R underscore Roland with no G. 